four-point game. DeJulius puts up a three. Bearcat Blitz. Welcome in, everybody, to another edition of the show. I'm your host, Russ Eltman, and he, of course, across the way, is my co-host, Neil Meyer. Russ Eltman with allbearcats.com and Neil Meyer with the frontofficenews.com. You can check out all our work there at those sites. You can check out Bearcat Blitz wherever you get your podcasts, whether that be on Apple, Spotify, Google, whatever podcast platform you use. Please subscribe rate and review there also on talking cats the youtube page with russ Eltman. throw us a subscription and some likes on this video we greatly appreciate that and of course you can catch us every weekend on valley sports ohio where this past weekend another crosstown shootout loss for the bearcats basketball team we'll get into that in the second segment we got some transfer news to get to first off including a new quarterback in the fold for cincinnati football plus the most transfers to hit the portal of any Big 12 team so far this offseason out of Cincinnati. Before all that, though, got to tell you about Bet Online remains your top spot for all your live action and contacts, contests, betting action and contests, I should say. NFL, college football, UFC, and NHL are all in full swing, and Bet Online is your number one source for wagering news, odds, trends, and predictions with both desktop and mobile access at any Time. Head to bet online today and use our promo code believe for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. Neil, UC has a new quarterback as we welcome you in, my man. Brendan Soresby, redshirt freshman out of Indiana. This is the big news of the week, really, over the past uh, eh, seven day window or so for Cincinnati football. They moved quickly to get their quarterback a little bit faster. This time around than they did last year and a guy like Emory Jones, Soresby, powerful runner, not as necessarily as nimble as Jones, but a redshirt freshman, started seven games last year, lost the opening starting quarterback job in the Indiana quarterback room, but ended up taking it over and playing decently down the stretch, has something to be desired with his accuracy so far in his college career, but a guy who has three years of eligibility left, a high ceiling in my opinion, and a player that if Pete Thomas makes and earns the full full length of that check he's going to get throughout the next eight to nine months, then the UC football program could turn around very quickly. Yeah, absolutely. And Brendan Sorsby is a guy who you mentioned has three years of eligibility left, but he really took over for Indiana in the later half of the season after winning that starting job back. But this was the guy the Bearcats targeted very early in the process of the transfer portal. Once they saw he was in there, they made it a priority to get him on campus where Pete Thomas and the staff locked him down within two days of being on campus. So they identified their arguably their top quarterback target within this transfer portal class, and they got the job done within just a matter of days. So it's a big addition for the Bearcats. Obviously, you talk about how they waited a little bit last year to get Emory Jones. I know Jones signed in January, but getting a guy like Sorsby with three years and a very big opportunity ahead of him with, if you can get three years of him developing under coach Thomas and the offense, Scott Satterfield is wanting to run and be capable of, there's a chance that this could be a highly, a highly touted addition for the Bearcats offense. And I mean, you look at some of the games he had last season at, at Indiana. I mean, the game that sticks out was a game versus Penn state. I mean, he finished that game 13 of 19, 
for 269 yards and three touchdowns in the Hoosiers' loss to Penn State, where they played Penn State very well on the road. And Penn State was ranked number 10 in the country at the time. So overall, you look at uh, what Soresby did last season, that's a game that really sticks out to me. And then, but also he's six foot three, 230 pounds, great size, and a dual threat quarterback. We saw he was able to run a little bit last year, but not as uh, nimble as what Emory Jones was and able to get out there and run, as you mentioned. But overall, this is a great add, in my opinion. After you go back and watch some of the film, you watch what he was able to do at Indiana. Honestly, this is a very big ad and a great ad for Scott Satterfield and the Bearcats. No doubt about it. And when you look at Brendan Soresby and kind of his rankings across the different major sites, look at on three, not very high. 90th ranked transfer quarterback. I think that might have been some kind of typo in their system because really everywhere else you look, and including 24-7 sports, he's ranked as the 41st transfer overall and the 18th best transfer in this cycle. Can the accuracy get better? Can he develop under Pete Thomas? And can Cincinnati put a stable of weapons around him that is better than what they had last year? We expect Xavier Henderson to come back. There has been no news of him getting in the transfer portal again for a second straight year, and that would mean he would probably have to sit out for a season if he wants to leave UC and go somewhere else. So you look at Xavier Henderson, probably going to be your number one option on the outside once again this year. you got a guy like Barry Jackson who – I think could play in the slot most likely, most likely will play in the slot in his first year in extensive duty for Cincinnati. I think he'll be your number two option. And then will they get one of these transfer power five uh, offers in the door for a visit and in the kind of signing room for an ultimate kind of three-headed monster package for Brendan Soresby to use? That's going to be interesting to me. Joey Belgian expected to return as well. He's a solid option. What will he look like coming off that He's season-ending knee, knee injury last year. That's going to be interesting to see. I mean, there's a lot of great stuff that could be surrounding Brendan Soresby. And will that be enough to boost a 57% completion rate, Neil, that I think you got to get it almost 10% higher for this to really ultimately work and end up being a go-to option. And to me, knowing what the, the moving and the shaking and the money is looking like in the transfer portal, Neil, as we kind of wind down this conversation with Brendan Soresby, Similar to Emory Jones last year and the amount of money they paid him to come to Cincinnati, it's going to have to go absolutely disastrous in the Brendan Soresby front for him to not be the starting quarterback, at least in the non-conference window. What do you think? Yeah, absolutely. And obviously, there's a lot of questions regarding what does this addition do for a guy like Brady Lichtenberg, Brady Drogosh. But obviously, this is an addition where they needed a veteran quarterback in the portal. And Brendan Soresby provides that power five experience I mean we saw what he was able to do against Big Ten teams this past season and this is a great ad not only will it be an opportunity to come in and start right away but this is a chance for the younger guys to develop as well and they provide that veteran leadership now that he has just two years in the power uh, power five level but this is a huge opportunity and this is a great opportunity as you mentioned for if Pete Thomas can develop him it'll be a great opportunity for him to lead the Bearcats offense no doubt. And and when you kind of look at the overall breadth of the quarterback room, it was almost always going to come down to Pete Thomas. It was going to come down to whether or not Pete Thomas and this hire by Scott Satterfield to bring him along from Louisville and what he did with Willie Cumming Cunningham and what and over the couple of years that he had uh, a handle on him. Can he develop a quarterback? Can he develop a true passer, a true weapon at that position in the Big 12? That's going to be the big question mark. And we'll see what ends up happening for Brennan Soresby, who, as we mentioned, 1,500 yards, 15 touchdowns, five interceptions 
held a 57.6 QBR on ESPN's metric. That's ranked 72nd nationally. That's not going to be good enough to win six games in the Big 12 this year. It's just not. It's going to have to get better, and we'll see if Brendan Sorsby can get developed by Pete Thomas down the line. Before we get done here, though, Neil, 21 transfers in the portal right now for Cincinnati. Ethan Wright just went in a couple hours before we started recording this this morning. And then we had a pair of Bearcats, the top two, I think, options and the best talents that were leaving the team. Maybe the th- two of the three best talents when you work in Miles Montgomery as well. But Shaman Mater going to prime time in Boulder, Colorado. He is signing with the Colorado Buffaloes and staying within the Big 12 going into, uh, right? Because Colorado is going to be in the Big 12 next year, as is Arizona State, where Justin Watley ended up transferring. So quick thoughts on those two moves and I think expected power five landing spots for two talents like that. And Miles Montgomery, I would be shocked as well if he does not find a power five home. Yeah, absolutely. And as you mentioned, Shaman Mateo going to Colorado. That's a that's a huge addition for primetime out there. I mean, we've talked about it quite frequently. A guy with his size, six foot five, 250 pounds, can run really well. We saw flashes of what he was able to do this season. Five touchdowns, 265 yards roughly. But that's that not only gives primetime a big blocker right there on the offensive line, but he now has a passing weapon. They saw their leading tight end hit the transfer portal. So Colorado was in need of a tight end. And now they get one in Shimon Mater. And then Justin Watley going out to Arizona State. That's a huge addition for Arizona State. Obviously, we saw what Watley was able to do in that reserve role. But now he gets an opportunity to go out there and contribute right away for the Sun Devils. And they both now have the opportunity to play in the Big 12 yet again. And for Colorado's standpoint and Shimon Mateus, the Bearcats do have to travel to Boulder next season. So that will be a reunion match for Shimon Mateus. There you go. Neil on it right there as we get to a quick break into an 84-79 loss for Cincinnati. Their fifth straight loss in the Crosstown shootout to Xavier. They came out flat once again in the first half for what's, I mean, Neil, it's been three years in a row. Every year with the West Miller tenure, they have been flat in the first half. That's ultimately what did them in for the fifth straight loss to the Xavier Musketeers and 22 years now. Going to be 24 years since they have won in the CentOS Center by the next time they get a chance to get that done. All that coming up on Bearcat Blitz. Neil, the hits keep on coming in this rivalry that ultimately is not really a rivalry right now. 13 of 17 over the past 17 years going to the Xavier Musketeers. They have dominated this Crosstown shootout over the majority of the 2000s and this entire century. And when you look at this game and what ultimately played out for Cincinnati, 84-79 loss. They get a great showing, the best showing of his young career out of Jizzle James, a guy I think is going to be a legendary guard stepping into that long line of legendary guards in the Cincinnati uniform. He was their only true offensive threat in the first half. I believe he had 17 of his 19 points in the first half, went 7 to 13 from the field. Victor Locken did not play well enough in the first half. He ultimately puts up 17. John Newman played the best game of his Bearcats career, in my opinion, was fantastic, 7 to 10 from the field the best plus minus on the team. He was affecting the ball the most of any player on the defensive end. And ultimately, in my opinion, was not put on Quincy Oliveri enough throughout the contest. 
to slow down the Xavier Musketeers offense that was led by Quincy, who dropped 27 points, six of eight from downtown. And Cincinnati, Neil, has now gone on the road and combined for eight of 42 from deep shooting the three-point ball and has allowed the opposing road team's top scorers to combine for 51 points so far this season when you look at the 86-81 road win in overtime over Howard and the 84-79 road loss, not in overtime, against the Xavier Musketeers. Neil, they're shooting almost 40% from deep at home, and they're under 20% on the road. That has been the biggest storyline and the biggest thing to worry about if you're a Bearcats fan this season. Yeah, absolutely. And you mentioned it right there. I think John Newman had his best game as a Bearcat on Saturday night. But overall, Quincy Oliveri just took over the second half. I mean, five from five from behind the arc. I mean, he just could not miss 20 second half points. And Desmond Claude was struggling to shoot the ball. So you would have liked to see that transition from John Newman on Claude to Oliveri early enough. And Wes Miller even stated in his postgame press conference that he wishes he could have had Newman guard both of them. But they did a great job containing Desmond Claude. I mean, he had one of his worst shooting nights of the season, 5 for 15, just 11 points. But Quincy Oliveri was the main player in this game. I mean, he dominated the second half. And next thing you know, it was a quick seven points in the first half to 27 real quick. So next thing you know, once he started going, it was he embraced every opportunity to go real quick, and it was over from there. But Jizzle James is a guy you mentioned, too, early in the first half took over. He had 13 of his 17 points early on. So next thing you know, it was a opportunity where the Bearcats could take over and really go from there. So Jizzle James had his best game of his career. Obviously he impacted the game in many ways because if he doesn't get going there in the first half, it's a long night for the Bearcats, as they mentioned with that slow start. I mean, 27 first half points. It was just flat, flat once again. And it, it makes me wonder if the messaging needs to change during this week off that they have ultimately had throughout the Crosstown shootouts in the West Miller era. He preaches a, a an understandable, it is understandable why you would preach this is just like any other game on your schedule. You can't treat it any differently. You can't treat it as any kind of a special moment, but it is. It's a special moment. It's a special game. And it's a game that treating it this way, the way that they are treating it is not working especially when you think about back-to-back years, you come out and score less than 35 points in the first half, less than 40 points, and then you go off in the second half because you flip the switch and you realize, oh, it's time to start playing. It's time to start getting out there. That was never more so embodied than what we saw out of, unfortunately, a horrific performance from CMOS Lukosius. One for nine from the field in the first half, did not take another shot the rest of the game, played just 17 minutes, the top five two-man game in the country in terms of offensive efficiency and total total net rating, uh, according to EvanMaya.com, between him and Victor Locken, was non-existent. And it has to do somewhat, you've got to think, with the 10 days off that he understandably took when he got struck by a car on campus last, or a couple, or now almost two weeks ago, coming on two weeks uh, tomorrow as of when we're recording this. So it's it's a tough scenario. It was a game where you greatly missed Jamil Reynolds. They did not have any offensive big man presence on the inside except for Victor Locken. You really, really wanted to see some more out of Aziz Bandago in this game. The lobs so far to Bandago are just not hitting at a rate that you want them to hit. I don't have a metric for this, Neil. I don't know if I can find this stat anywhere, but what do you think, man? It's it's feeling like those lobs throughout the season so far, and especially in the Xavier game, they were going down for two points at like a 30% clip. It's just... 
if you're turning the ball over on those lobs like that, if you're not getting those high percentage looks at the rim and cashing them in on those kinds of chances with Bandego, it's hard to really get him to be an effective part of this offense. Three points in this game, took just two shots. Locken asserted himself and took 17 shots from the field, but the jumper was ice cold, as was everybody else's jumper. Dan Skillings, the, the three-point shot at this rate, man, it's broken. It is absolutely broken. Under 30% in back-to-back season so far as a Bearcat. He goes 0 for 2 from deep, took a just mind-melting, head-scratching three in crunch time with less than two and a half minutes to play in a game that at that point I believe was a four- or three-point ball game. No business taking that shot with how poorly he was playing in the game. Went one for seven from the field. Lacocious one for nine. And C.J. Frederick, the big hometown kid, the big transfer, multiple transfers, just not showing up in this game, including Frederick, who, Neil, is going to enter conference play without making a shot from the field on the road. It's just going to be extremely difficult to win games, especially on the road in the Big 12, if you cannot get C.J. Frederick going at all from deep. They couldn't get going at all from deep as a whole. And something something maybe needs to change in the pregame warm-up on the road. I don't know what needs to change. You obviously can't get a ton of shots up at all of these locations that you're going to be going to as, a, as compared to how many shots you're getting up in the comfy confines of Fifth Third Arena. But eight for 42 from deep compared to a 39.7% clip from deep at home so far this season, there, there needs to be some kind of shift or something because the, the shot making is just not happening so far on the road. And there's been no signs that it's going to start happening once we get to those massively important. And you could argue, Neil, we're about to get into the environment here soon, even tougher environments that you're going to be going into in the Big 12. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, you go on the road versus Howard and Xavier and you shoot five or 23 from the field. I believe CJ Frederick went on. How- yeah, I went to Howard. Didn't only Bearcats that made the three at Howard were CMOS Lukosius. And then yeah. you go into the big crosstown shootout and CJ Frederick has held to zero points on 0 for 4 shooting, I believe, if I remember correctly. But that's the environment you need him to step up in. You got, no. I know Wes Miller said that they, Xavier did a great job at making it tough to get the ball in CJ Frederick's hands. But Overall, you just have to find a better shooting uh, percentage there, especially from behind the arc. And, I mean, you mentioned Victor Lockin. Yeah, he had 17 points. 15 came in the second half. But, man, outside of that, they couldn't get anything going offensively on Saturday night versus Xavier. So they got to find a way to get Aziz Mandego involved, have to find a way to get Vic to complement that. I mean, you mentioned the lobs earlier as well. I mean, look at two possessions versus Xavier specifically that stick into mind was the one where C.J. Frederick tried to go up top and the ball went straight off the backboard, bounced back, and Xavier got to go and running. And then you had another one where Aziz just couldn't finish it. It was just too far out. So then next thing you know, those are two substantial moments right there where if they can get that ball to go, because the one where CJ missed on to Frederick, that the Bearcats had numbers. If, they, if they're able to finish that, I think you silence some momentum there early in the second half. Because if I remember right, that was during that run at the beginning of the second half where it was back and forth. So if you get that to fall, that's your momentum changer right there. No doubt. And, and and as we kind of shift forward and we look at Brian in just a moment, I'll throw this at you, Neil. Does there need to be a lineup change in terms of the starters? Is it time to see Jizzle James get a full allotment of starting minutes, get a full allotment of time out on the floor, play 21 minutes in this game? I believe that was a career high for him so far here at Cincinnati. Yes, it was. His previous career high was on the road against Howard, where he was solid in that game as well. Nine points on the road. Didn't shoot the ball as well as he did uh, against Xavier. But 
Day-Day Thomas, Jizzle James, their speed element and the way that they can break down defenses, I think that's worth testing out and seeing what you have in it over these next few games, maybe against a Stetson or a Merrimack or a Bryant, one of these kind of smaller and less intimidating opponents, because it just feels like the offense gets stuck in the mud a little too often with the two bigs out there. I know it gives you the rebounding advantage. I know it gives you the size advantage on defense, but the ability to slash in the lane, the ability to get downhill quickly and find open shooters easier, I think would come if you started Day-Day Thomas and Jizzle James together. You work in John Newman as the wing. You work in CJ Frederick as the other wing. And you have Victor Locken manning the middle, bringing Aziz Mandego off the bench. Maybe something that we end up seeing. Maybe something that we don't end up seeing. But on the road, what they're doing so far with these rotations, it's just ultimately not working well enough. And especially defensively. Like, if you're going to be giving up 80-plus points a game on the road, what is the point of playing both those bigs out there if you know that you're going to be giving up I know, I know Victor Lockin has shot the ball well in practice and he shot the ball decently well so far this season, but it's not like he's a pick and pop Kristaps Porzingis three-point threat, Neil. He's not coming off of screens and hitting threes. It's not like it's coming in the flow of the action of the offense. So I think maybe hunting down some more smaller mismatches, hunting down some more speed mismatches and getting Jizzle James and Day-Day Thomas on the floor as much as possible together might be your best option and your overall best mode of attack once we get into Big 12 play when it's not going to matter as much to me how much size you have in that conference because everybody's going to have size. You need to have the speed and the downhill attacking and the ability to create open shots. Yeah, absolutely. And that's huge going into Big 12 play, as you mentioned, with guys like Day-Day alongside Jizzle. Because if you look at these teams in the Big 12, Kansas State's a good one. They have two-point guards. Tyler Perry's doing a fantastic job out there. You go down to Texas, you look at what Max Abemis is doing. You go around to Kansas, you look at how many great guards they have. Dewan Harris, K.J. McCuller. They have two or three guys who are able to really spread the floor, allow pieces to play off of them. So the guard play in the Big 12 is going to be a lot better than what the Bearcats have seen so far this season. But if they can find a way to get those two going, heading into conference play, especially in games like Stetson and Mary Mack, as you mentioned, heck, even maybe even tomorrow night versus Bryant. If you can right. get those two to – play alongside together and really start to build that chemistry heading into big 12 play. I think that's in the best of best hands for the Bearcats at this point. Cause you know, once big 12 conference play comes in just, what is it? Three weeks now, just three weeks away from conference play, you know, big 12 teams are going to get out to run. You know, they got a tough one just to kick off the big 12 season with BYU. And then you got Texas shortly after. So it's going to be something that might have to be in consideration heading into big 12 uh, conference play. No doubt about it. And just, it was so clear, Neil, how how much Jizzle James is just he's just a bucket getter. He's a guy that can just create something out of nothing. He can hit the mid-range at a decent rate. He can slash into the lane and use a nice package of dribble layup moves around the rim. He's just a guy that has that knack for scoring, and he's just getting more and more comfortable here in his true freshman season. That's, I think, the best and biggest takeaway you can get from that game and something that this team can build off of going forward at 7-1. and one. When you're preparing to travel to number 14 BYU on January 6th, that's what this entire non-conference slate is building up towards and what we're going to get into it. The last big game opportunity of the non-conference slate is coming up after Bryant on Saturday in the neutral site matchup against Dayton. Very, very interested in that one. We'll, of course, save a preview for that until Thursday. Bryant on deck at 
Fifth Third Arena. UC beat them, I believe, 97 to 71 last year. Dropped an absolute whooping on the Bulldogs. Will they do it again? Neil and I get into our preview in just a moment here on Bearcat Blitz. All right, Neil, breaking this one down as Cincinnati gets ready to welcome in the Bryant Bulldogs, who have taken out pretty easily in defensive style, which is not what we're used to seeing out of Bryant, although they are ranking much higher defensively than offensively this season. They took out ranked FAU earlier on the road, 61-52 to in their non-conference slate. But despite that, Cincinnati is still a 93.3% favorite to win this game, according to ESPN. They are 30th nationally now, just inside the top 30 you see is in Ken Palm, while Bryant is ranked 216th, the Bulldogs come in at this 102nd nationally in defensive efficiency, but on the flip side, 309th, I believe, 306th nationally in adjusted offense. All of those numbers from our great friend Ken Palm, Roy at KenPalm.com. Earl Timberlake, you and I talked about him earlier this afternoon, Neil. He is our featured player. He is the key player to stop him and a guy like their guard, when we're looking at Sharif Gross Bullock. Sorry if I butchered that name. Sharif Gross Bullock. He's playing great basketball, as is Timberlake this season. Bullock up to 16.7 points per game, 5.5 rebounds, and Timberlake averaging 12.2 points and 8.8 rebounds on 60.1% true shooting. Bullock on 54.1% true shooting. Those are the only Bulldogs shooting over 50% TS wise on the season so far. Bullock gets up the 16th most threes per game in the country at 8.8 triple tries. They are one of the top 50 teams in the country in overall three-point attempts. Ultimately, Neil, if they can handle those two guys, keep the Bulldogs from getting hot from outside, keep them under 10 threes is the marker I put in my uh, keys to the game on allbearcats.com, then I think they're going to have a great chance to win this game by double digits. If not, then I think Bryant, despite being 6-5 and five and in the 200s in Kempom, could give them a decent game and maybe keep this one close if that deep shot is falling. Yeah, absolutely. And you talk about it. Sharif Gross Bullet comes in nearly averaging nine threes a game, like 16.7 points per game. But we saw how people have shot the three ball versus the Bearcats, especially on Saturday night when Quincy Oliveri went six of eight. So you cannot let a guy like Sharif Gross Bullet get hot. And that's where a guy like John Newman comes into play. Your best perimeter nope. defender could really be locked up against one of the top three-point shooters in all of the country. Loves to shoot that three-ball. Bryant lives and dies by the three-ball. I think everyone who has watched him this season can kind of see that. But Earl Timberlake is a fantastic a fantastic player, and anyone who has followed him over his, season, over his career started at Memphis. The Bearcats played against him with Penny Hardaway in Memphis during their time in the AAC. They know what he brings to the table, but he's averaging 12 points, nine rebounds, and four assists per game this season. But this is the guy who has flirted with the triple-double twice this season already, just through 11 games. So this is the guy who's going to be able to contribute and really affect this game in many different aspects. But the Bearcats are going to have to be honed in and locked in on the six-foot-seven guard for the Bryant Bulldogs. So come Saturday – or yeah, come tomorrow night. It's going to be a fun time at Fifth Third Arena. And then if they can go in there, they can find ways to contain Bullock and Timberlake, build the momentum heading into Dayton. I think the Bearcats will be in great hands. Timberlake with a, get this, Neil, 
plus 23.7 net rating. When you look at offensive and defensive ratings for 100 possessions this year, he has been an efficiency maven and a guy that the Bearcats really need to take, to take control of and handle throughout the game. He's a great defender as well, averaging over a steal and block per game, as is Daniel Rivera, the other nice, nice defending forward, a guy averaging 11.4 points himself. They got four players averaging 10-plus points, and he has posted 2.3 blocks per game so far this season. So a guy to watch around the rim for sure. I'm rolling with the Bearcats here, though, by double digits. I don't know what the exact spread is. We don't have that available to us right now. But Cincinnati, 89-75, 8 for 42 from deep on the road this season. But they're shooting 64 of 161 from deep on 39.7% shooting that comes out to. I think that continues here despite Bryant being a pretty good three-point defensive team. I think that's just going to be too much for Cincinnati. CJ Frederick bounces back and the Bearcats ultimately get to the free throw line like so many opponents have this season against Bryant and they handle this one 89-75. What do you got, Neil? Yeah, I got that 88-74 to in favor of the Bearcats and I agree with CJ Frederick having a bounce back game. I think this is a game he needs to but I also would like to see John Newman have a big game as well. We'll see what happens. For Neil Meyer, I'm Russ Elman. This has been Bearcat Billets, presented by Bet Online. This is the second. 15 seconds left. Shot clock off. Four-point game. DeJulius puts up a three. Yes! And a goal! Three seconds left. 